Today's episode of Tea Time is brought to you by new Bud Light Seltzer. Here are all the important deets. 5% alcohol, 100 calories, and less than one gram of sugar. Flavors include strawberry, black cherry, lemon lime, and mango. Personally, I, well, I love all the flavors, I'll be honest, but I have to go with black cherry. I've always been a fan of cherry and Bud Light Seltzer does it right. It tastes effervescent and fruity, but also it's not too overpowering. Most importantly, does it taste good? Well, yep. Pick up a variety pack and try it for yourself. Culture Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. I'm Kate Hallowell. And I'm Amelia Wedemeyer. And today we are checking in with Quibi. To all the boys I've loved before, yes, I still love you. And Jamila Jamil's latest controversy. This is a packed episode. I'm really excited. We got some fun stuff here. Buckle up, people. Every time you hear the bell, we have to change topics. And now let's spill the tea. Okay, Tea Time checks in with Quibi Watch. Our dreams have come true. They were gracious enough to send the Tea Time host to a Quibi screening. Despite the fact that our running bit is like shitting on Quibi. (laughs) Indeed. So thank you for whoever listened and let us watch them anyway. And just a warning, that bit will not change (laughs) going forward. So we learned a lot in the time that since we've talked about Quibi. We Mm -hmm. found out that Quibi is short for Quick Bites. Uh Who knew? Who knew? Not I. Who knew? Again, this platform is launching in April and it's just mini episodic content. um, Four to ten minutes. Yes. For your telephone. Yes. The service is going to cost $4.99 a month when it comes out without ads and then $7.99 with ads. Mm. So, yes, and this is Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman's pet project, which yes. we'll talk about later. So we went to the screening. They We thought it was going to be a screening because that was what it was called. But instead, right. they, like, handed us phones mm-hmm. and earbuds, really uncomfortable earbuds. And they were <laughs> like, just, like, go forth in Quibi. So there was, like, a, a pretty limited array of content. Obviously, it comes out in April. A lot of stuff wasn't finished. Right. But we basically got to go through and, like, watch whatever we wanted. We tried to watch all everything. Mm-hmm. There were, I think, two of, like, 16 things that we didn't watch. So yeah. we got—it took, like, an hour because, again, they're very short. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we watched most things. And just what were, like, our general reactions to Quibi Watch? Ooh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say our, our bit of making fun of Quibi will not—has not changed and perhaps has amplified— uh-huh. After I'm, seeing some quibbies. I'm disappointed that we didn't get to see Barkitecture. Yes, or that was disappointing. Chrissy Teigen's small court claims. That, that shot like a year ago. There's no excuse for that. If you I ask know. Me. And then Killian Zach Efron. We also didn't get to see with Justice. That, and that is yeah. so weird that I feel like those were kind of their flagship shows. Totally. And it's like if you're going to like invite people, invite mm-hmm. the media to come and see the shows, wouldn't you want to put your best content, most exciting content forward? Yeah, we were surprised about some of the things that we saw and some of the episode choices that we saw. I think our general thought was, like, out on the scripted content, more in on, like, the docu-series content and, like, the reality content. We're going to talk about her a little later in the episode. Big news for Sophie Turner this week, which we'll talk about, again, in a later category. She's in one of the Quibi shows, and it puzzled us, to say the least, like, 
why she specifically chose this project to act in post uh-huh. Game of Thrones. Right. Sophie Turner, I'm concerned about in <laughs> a lot of ways, but yeah. like, re- like this is like all she has right now. Is this Kobe show. Also, general note, I'll say it's really jarring. There was a surprising amount of suicide content. Yeah. Really dark. Trying to be edgy. I realized that it's really hard to watch that kind of content for like seven minutes and then immediately snap back out of it and just continue on with the day. Right. You have to get in a certain headspace. Right. Which is what they're trying to do. They're trying to like fill pockets of time as you would like log on to YouTube or Instagram or something and be like watch a Quibi instead. And I don't know that I could turn on a Sophie Turner drama about how she's trying to commit suicide and then just get on the bus and go to work. Right, totally. Whereas, like, some of the more, like, reality TV show docuseries stuff, I could. So I think there's potential here, but I would say that we are not optimistic. Well, and the other thing is, is, like, it's essentially YouTube, just, like, a high production value to all these shows. And we were talking about this, and, like, you know, there's a uh, Lena Waite sneaker show, which is Mm kind of like, you could find that on Complex's Mm, YouTube. And then, you know, there's nightgown show which mm-hmm. I know Kate Sasha watched Valor. that was yeah. really good actually I like that I'm one. sure but like <laughs> right. I, this is I've all seen stuff similar can, stuff like totally. on World of Wonders YouTube account and yeah. it's just it's on YouTube this content is on YouTube and it's almost better yeah. Yeah. I do have hopes for Chance the Rapper's Punked reboot, <laughs> only because technology is so advanced now, yeah. and there's obviously <laughs> a lot of money being funneled into this Quibi production, yes. that they could do some interesting stuff. I only they watched could. one episode um, the, last The night. length and the format fits that, I yes, think. Yes. Agreed. So we'll see. Agreed. Um, we did see, very briefly, Jeffrey Katzenberg at the screening. Celeb spotting. Celeb yes. spotting. And I know we had some thoughts about what he could be doing in his time that right. is potentially better than Quibi. <laughs> so for those listeners who are not familiar with Jeffrey Katzenberg, he was the chairman of Walt Disney Studios. He's basically responsible and known for reinvigorating Disney. Mm-hmm. And then he left and became co-founder and CEO of DreamWorks Animation. So like Kung Fu Panda, Madagascar, Shrek, like How to Train Your Dragon. Yep. Huge blockbuster hits. His net worth is $900 million because Casual. he sold DreamWorks <laughs> then later for like almost $4 billion to NBC. Damn. Anyway, guy's got a lot of money and he's obviously a very successful person in yeah. this space. So I would also trust Jeffrey Katzenberg with this project. However, we're not sure about the future of Quibi and the success of Quibi. What could Jeffrey Katzenberg have done with his time besides launch Quibi? Go back to animation, honestly. Yeah. That's his wheelhouse. He's great at it. He's good at managing a studio. Mm-hmm. Honestly, sign back up with DreamWorks. <laughs> I feel like we could mine a few Shrek TV shows, <laughs> yeah. you know? Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Also, maybe like Quibi animation. Do you like short form animation? Yeah. 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 I like that. Or something. That's a great idea because maybe they're, that's already in the works. Maybe. But kids' attention spans, you know. Right. Isn't it so like true. two and a half minutes You just want to like throw them somewhere with a phone, <laughs> you know? Yes. It should have been a kid-centric platform. It could have worked. Agreed. Also, I think maybe perhaps just living in one of his homes. Just Just chilling. Just chilling, consuming content. But it makes sense. I looked it up. They've funded like almost a billion dollars in funding. Obviously, Jeffrey Katzenberg, when he sits you down, it's like, I've got an idea. You say, okay, Jeffrey Katzenberg. (laughs) So that's not a surprise, but we're not sure. We're very— Pessimistic about the future of Quibi. We will continue Quibi Watch going forward. (laughs) Yes. Okay, next category is this week in social media. The first thing, I don't know who put this in there. It just listed no. No, well, it's... (sighs) So the Oscars happened. Obviously, you guys did a Ringer Dish episode about it. But uh, Milano Cookies 
tried to join the Oscars discourse by making cookies like out of their little uh, what are they called the the Milano the iconic Milano ones yeah. that are like ladyfinger cookies. Yeah, really um, fucking good. They're delicious, <laughs> and but they made these cookies to look like dresses. So they had Janelle Monae's like sparkly dress, mm-hmm. Natalie Portman's cape dress with all the female directors, mm-hmm. and it's just like. Why? We didn't need to engage with this, but okay. Brands have, brands have gone too far. <laughs> Tea Time hates brands. And whenever <laughs> they try to engage, this is like constantly in this category. It's just brand, try something. It's because brands work. have just broken the internet and broken Twitter yeah. in a bad way, and it's yeah. not fun anymore. But they like this tweet was promoted. They did several of the tweets, and I can only imagine this poor baker having to <laughs> being like trying to get the ruffles right on Kristen like, Wiig's ravioli dress yeah. like bah! like did this make you want to eat a Milano for me no Honestly, all I want yes. is <laughs> I always want to eat Milano's <laughs> okay well so it worked for you you're right okay maybe it worked um, next thing in social media Rebecca Black who apparently you guys can um, you could say this is not true but a friend sent this to me apparently Tea Time is known for being like anti-Rebecca Black are we? What? I don't know. That's Wait. our brand. No. I know. People say that. What have we ever talked about, Rebecca Black? <laughs> Truly. I don't know. Anyway, Rebecca Black is um, on the up and up once again. If you guys remember, she did a very famous song and music video called Friday mm-hmm. nine years ago. <laughs> anyway, um, a friend sent me this tweet. It's really blown up. 53,000 retweets and almost 500,000 likes. It's essentially on the anniversary. Nine years ago today, a music video called Friday was uploaded to the internet. And basically, Rebecca Black speaks to her former self and be like, don't worry about the bullies, you know, all the anxiety and depression that was caused. And then she has a picture of herself now and then a picture of herself back then. She looks very different. Um, (laughs) But apparently, you know, time heals all. She's doing really well. She just released a new song called Sweetheart. Mm. And Rebecca Black's trying to get back in it, back in the music game. Interesting. She's definitely, like, living that influencer life right now. Yes. And honestly, like, go for it. Why not? I support her. Sure. So just for the record, Tea Time Pro, Rebecca we Black. We are. And yes. please remind us of when we accidentally <laughs> shit on Rebecca Black in the past because I do not remember. <laughs> and we apologize. Okay, next one. Okay. One of those viral prompt tweets kind of blew up this week, as they tend to. And this week it was, who's the worst person who went to your alma mater? Do we have answers <laughs> on this podcast? I do. Who is it? Chet Hanks has got to be the worst person. <laughs> and just to clarify, this is high school. High school. Liz has a lot of options. I do. Based on where she went to high school. <laughs> I do, but Chet Hanks has been in the pop culture news recently, and this feels really appropriate. How AKA much older was Chet he? Chet Hayes. Chet yeah. Hayes. How much? Were you at your school at the same time? Yes. Oh, you my were. gosh. Yes. He was how, how much older than you? Two years older. What was he like? Uh, I, you know, he was different. <laughs> yeah, it was a long we, time honestly, ago. Honestly, we got more from her than I expected. Yeah, I'll call it a win. that's all I'll say. Um, I, I went college for this because I don't really have a, a high school one. Mm. But mine's Mike Pence for sure. <laughs> wow. That yeah. sucks yeah. for you. Yeah. I'm really sorry. Uh, Amelia, do you have one? Yeah, and it's always been on the top of uh, my head just <laughs> because I know uh, he went to grad school, but he didn't graduate. Okay. Similar to yours, uh-huh. Dick Cheney went to UW-Madison. <laughs> That's so. really tough. The, see, the best thing is that everyone just, like, immediately knows. You know, yeah, like, this yeah. isn't one that you have to think about. You're just nope. like, oh, it's Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Really sticks with you. Yeah. But, yeah, that was, you know, we love a prompt tweet <laughs> yeah, we'll on Tea Time. Okay, next one. Uh, the next one, Olivia Jade. She's back in the news. And her alleged rowing resume leaked. And page six has it. And it's just— it's a gold mine. It's a gold mine. And I love how it begins in 2016 and it's like 14th place, 11th place. But then as the years progress, 
it gets better. Like she's <laughs> fourth place in 2015, bronze medal 2016, top three finisher like years later, gold medal 2016. That's it's what colleges want to see is they want to see you progressing. Improvement, right. exactly. Exactly. And I also want to note that she was the Cox. Coxwain? Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. Which is like the person at the front who like yells and is like, come on, come on. And you have to be like really teeny for it. So, you know, she's like, I'm super teeny. <laughs> Does she know what a Coxwain is to this day still? Well. Well, she'll have to testify about yeah. it. Oh, that's true. That's <laughs> she true. She'll have to learn. That. Also, Ooh. my quick note is that this is some Microsoft Word bullshit. <laughs> and if I was paying the amount of money that these people paid, mm. I want indes- an InDesign template at least. True. Give me yes. like little icons. I need a different font. I need at least one different <laughs> color. Like I I would not have given this resume to colleges. Maybe some lines. Yeah. You right. Know? Having just watched Parasite and all the work they put into making that fake <laughs> right. resume. You're, just- a, you're out here with Times New Roman? Get right. out of here. Absolutely <laughs> right. not. Um, okay. Also, this is kind of a scattered category. <laughs> also viral on Twitter this week was the broom challenge. Please tweet us <laughs> if you try this. I didn't have time, but this girl named Michaela like started this whole thing. Classic. She goes, okay, so NASA said today that today was the only day a broom can stand up on its own because of the gravitational pull. I didn't believe it at first, but oh my God. And then it's a broom standing up. Everybody did this. I actually never read about this, so I didn't know that it was a one-day-only thing. Well, it's not. The whole thing is that a broom can stand on its own. Oh, (laughs) okay. That makes more sense. My roommate roommate did this and posted it on her Instagram story, but I I haven't seen any else. Two people from the social team, Jomi and uh, Keith, did it, and it works. Yeah, it works. DJ Khaled did it. So brooms can just stand up on their own. Wow. Learn something new every day. The internet is a wonderful place. Okay, (laughs) next one. So there was this dumb tweet, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was so funny. It's a clip of—you've probably seen it, if, even if you haven't seen 1917. But it's the guy, he's walking out of the— um, The trench. The trench, and then he's running, and there are bombs uh-huh. flying. But someone has put—sorry. <laughs> someone has put the video and sped it up, and they put Nicki Minaj's Roman Holiday in the background. So it's like— <laughs> You know, and it's really Is intense. That how that song goes? Yes. <laughs> Jesus. No, it's really funny. So the tweet though that goes with it is nineteen seventy had this score and y'all fucking robbed them. <laughs> really good tweet, it's actually. It's really funny. And you want to know another really good tweet? Yes. <laughs> Kate had a great tweet. It was <laughs> sorry. It was <laughs> it was a picture of Bong Joon Ho. Happy for him. Uh, making his two Oscars kiss. Which <laughs> is incredible. So Kate tweeted and said, I ship it. It went super viral. It's never the ones you think. Joe Jonas liked it. How he do you did. feel? Yes. He did. Huge praise. Me and Sophie just chilling with but Joe. But I also love that you followed it up with a, why are all my biggest tweets fanfic related? They are. <laughs> I love that. Lean into they the brand. Are. There's other I know. Guys. You're right. You're right. I know my audience. <laughs> okay. Next category, you guys. I am so excited. Tea Time is reviewing the To All the Boys I Love Before sequel. P.S. I Still Love You. So, spoiler warning, if you haven't watched yeah. it, don't listen to this because we're going to dive in. But watch it this weekend. It's a good, just easy throw on watch. Yes. And okay. we're also very curious about your thoughts. I've been following the hashtags very closely. Right. And we all, I don't think we all agree. I think we have no. some differing opinions on it. Okay. So first of all, general thoughts. We all really liked the first movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Perhaps too much. I it's for been sure a, liked it too much. <laughs> let's watch it like three times in the first weekend it came out. It's one of the things we built our friendship on, actually. <laughs> um, and like two years later, however long it's been, we have the sequel. 
I was disappointed, but not as disappointed as some of you. I was extremely disappointed. Yeah. I now like uniquely mm-hmm. know how like Star Wars fans or Harry <laughs> Potter fans like I understand the petitions sure. to change the plot <laughs> and the fucking angry tweets adding writers and directors. I understand you guys now. Release, I feel for you. Release the Snyder cut of Seriously? PS I still love you. <laughs> what the literal hell happened? Okay, what were your <laughs> what were your problems with this movie? Listen up. Peter Kavinsky is untouchable as a character in the fictional world. Noah Centineo kind of screwed himself by being who he is as a human in the time in between these two movies were released. However, you got to lean into what the people want. I will say I did not read the book, so I'm just operating. This is a book-free podcast. (laughs) I'm operating in the movie world. Yes. But he was really painted as quite an asshole at times. He was. Had some redeemable scenes, but like not enough. They really know a Centineoized Peter Kavinsky in <laughs> yes. this movie. And I thought, first I thought it was just me not being able to unsee Noah Centineo. Mm-hmm. Like I was looking at him and I was like, I hate your stupid face. And then I was like, no, it's Peter. <laughs> it's okay. We love him. And then I was like, damn, he looks like a mess. And then I was like, no, it's still Peter. But I think they did. They made him too much of a dick in this movie. Yeah. And John Ambrose, I wasn't sold on as well, which I know a lot of people See, were. See, that's, so. the, that's the difference between us. I'm very much team John Ambrose. Yes. I thought Jordan Fisher was extremely charming. I thought they tried too hard with the fucking piano and See? the little fucking whatever the hell volunteering at the place she wanted. Yeah. I was like, you know See, what? I get that, but I also was like, if you're going to make him that like sparkly and like yeah. very much the right choice, she's got to end up with him. Yeah. Like, Peter was too much of a dick in this movie. Jordan Fisher, whatever, John Ambrose was like too charming and like mm. squeaky clean. Yeah. And then she was like, mm, no, Peter anyway. Right. <laughs> Which I was like, I like now I'm not happy with the outcome. Right. Amelia, what were your thoughts on the movie? Well, I only watched half, so I apologize. <laughs> In the hour before um, this podcast. What? Uh, got a yeah. lot going on. <laughs> but I, again, I think it's just like kind of hard to recreate the yeah. magic of the first one. It had a better plot, you yeah. know, because mm-hmm. you get the build up to the exactly. romance. It's never as fun after they have to exactly. create Exactly. It's, it's like, you know, like, I don't want to bring this up, but like the fucking Bachelor where it's everything is exciting until the final end. And then, you know, six months later you check in and they hate each other. And it's just like, who cares now? Or even yeah. more in fiction when you have TV shows, the will they want the characters. Right. That is so fun. And then the seasons where they're just together, you're like, oh, okay. Exactly. It was a li- we talked about this in person, Kate. A little too real. You know? <laughs> there were parts that were way too real, the actually, The final in this scene movie. of The Graduate when they're just, like, riding away and they're both, like, kind of staring yes. and thinking about their life. That was kind of this entire movie. <laughs> and I got really sad. However, there were yes. some MVPs. Yes, we got to go through some of these some categories. Positive. Go ahead, Kate. Holland Taylor is a national treasure. I love her so much. Uh, she was in this movie as, like, uh, Lara Jean was volunteering at, like, this retirement community. Holland Taylor, who, as everyone knows, is Sarah Paulson's life partner, just fabulous. I thought she was great. I thought every scene she was in was great. Laura Dean just needed a kick in the pants sometimes. I disagree. There's one scene at the very end of the movie where Laura Jean realizes that she actually loves Peter, not John Ambrose. And she goes to t- Holland Taylor, or her name is Stormy in the movie. Oh, she yeah. goes, great name. But what happens if he, she's about to go get him back. She's like, what happens if he doesn't want me back? What if he doesn't love me? And she just goes, that will hurt like hell. And then Laura Jean's like all inspired and then runs away. I'm like, if an old woman told me that after I was really trying to be like, what the fuck are you here for? See, but I liked that. And I liked her like when when she was like, oh, like I like two boys, blah, blah, blah. And Holland Taylor was like, all of my love affairs overlapped with yeah, each other. I was true. like, damn, get it, Holland Taylor. Hell true. yeah. Well, was true. she essentially reprising her role from Legally Blonde, like, but just hornier? 
I would say yes. Mm. Definitely an element yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some other MVPs of this movie. Fucking product placement. Love it. <laughs> I love it. We had the iconic Subway product placement in the first Two All the Boys movie where they're under the bleachers eating Subway. Yeah. And just cups everywhere, sandwiches everywhere. This happens again. They're in, like, the wood shop. Yeah. There's a thing where, like, she takes a sandwich and, like, her friend's talking to this guy. And this is my annual announcement that I love Subway. <laughs> I just genuinely do. Really happy for this positive Subway PR. sponsor, two times. Um, and also Bubbly. We got some Bubbly in there, which I actually— I actually thought it was uh, a real stretch because they're putting bubbly, which is like a seltzer, like a LaCroix. It's a good one, off. too. It is actually good. But they're putting it in the punch? Yeah. You can't make punch with seltzer? That was shameless, that camera That's pan. That's gross I- punch. <laughs> what are we doing, You Netflix? gotta, like, put some Sprite in there. You yeah. can't make seltzer with, like— True. Juice? Yeah. That's gross, right? Who knows what these people like? I don't know. I was like, home. That's a stretch. Yeah. And also, my final MVP is Jen's Uggs. <laughs> This mean girl is committed to her Uggs. She had Uggs in the first movie. She yeah. had Uggs in this movie. It looks like every mean girl I've ever seen in my high school where, like, they don't have to try or have good fashion because, like, they're just popular for no reason. Yeah. Speaking of that, there's a scene where Jen and Laura Jean meet up alone. They obviously know it's just, like, girl time yes. in the treehouse. And they both show up with messy buns and big oversized hoodies and Jen's in her Uggs. And I was like, you guys are the— it's too stereotypical, like, <laughs> like girl after hours, like, messy bun. Yeah. You both are no makeup. It's like— yeah. <laughs> Although, actually, they are supposed—we're going to—well, I'll save it for uh, picking nits in a, in a second. Okay. And then Laura Jean's closet, still an MVP. Really, really cute good. clothes. Yeah. Just really— 100%. Really Lana Condor in general. Just is still great and cute and charming. And I okay. hope she has yeah. a fabulous career. Agreed. Okay. Soundtrack thoughts. Yes. I like— they, I feel like they always pick a really good soundtrack. Like, they mm-hmm. had the I Like Me Better song. Yeah, the last mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. It just sounds great. Uh, they also had a great use of Billie Eilish's Ocean Eyes, which I was like, nice. You're yeah. putting in the Billie Eilish for the Gen Z. They were tapped into the teens, too, because Maddie Ziegler was a cameo in it quickly. <sighs> yeah. And she's very famous on Instagram. Oh, wait. Was she the cheerleader? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. I thought I recognized her face. Yeah. And they also did another callback to their song Good by Aaron McCarley, which mm. was in the trailer of the first movie, which everyone watched mm. a billion times. It's in the second. And as soon as it starts playing, you're like, yes, this is the tall the boy. It's like a call time Yeah, now. it's a very specific feeling. Also, I have to shout out the Blackpink needle drop yes. that comes in. First of all, they talk a lot about like Korean culture in this movie. Like it's obviously a part of like their family, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then like putting a little K-pop song in there while she's getting ready to like go get her man. I was like, yes. That was great. Yeah, that was great really soundtrack great. in this movie. That did not let me down. I already followed sure. it on Spotify. Wow, so, great. Yes. We're going to get her, folks, one of these days. Yeah. All right, pick Nits. We have a lot of nits to pick. I could not stop focusing on Lana Condor's styling in this movie, which is through no fault of her own. Yep. They obviously did reshoots at a certain point, mm. and there would be times when her hair was long and her hair was short, but you weren't supposed to tell that her hair was short. Obviously, I think she cut her hair for a different role after this movie came mm-hmm. out. And the extensions were extremely noticeable at times. Mm. There would be times in a scene where, like, the shot would change and her hair would change and then it would change back. Like, it would be, like, really tightly curled and then it would just be, like, really wavy and then it would be yeah. back to being curled. And I could not stop noticing it. It was driving me insane. I feel bad if you're listening to this before watching because you now, will not I, yeah, I'm really sorry. be able to watch it without noticing. It drove me actually crazy the <laughs> yes. entire time. It's egregious. Her hair would move one way and her head would move <laughs> another in two separate flips. You could see, like, her little, like, the ends <laughs> of her hair 
layer, the her layers. short hair. And mm-hmm. like, I'm like, just look at like one, like she has braids in one scene when they're all meeting at the treehouse and they're like super, super like teased up. And then in the next one, they're like really tightly French braided. And I'm like, that's a different hairstyle. Look at one picture of what she looked like yesterday. Again, it's just wild with like Netflix. It's such a high production budget. I know. Mm-hmm. Or cut her hair in the movie, be like, you know, summer happened or whatever. The uh, yeah. Hell. And I, then it's like, it, she's a new confident girl. Yeah, I don't get it. It was extremely distracting to me. Also, I want to open up the floor for this discussion. And also, you guys listening, if you do this, just let me know because I'm genuinely curious. Why do movies insist on female characters when they're stressed that they like bake some fucking perfect dessert with all their free time and like they're stress baking quote unquote maybe it's because I've never held a spatula in my hand <laughs> but I can't believe that this is true in the movie she bakes a lot she baked in the first one it's this cute little thing she has a streak of flour you know love on that. her cute little freaking face but what is this I left this in the outline and didn't tell you about this because I wanted you to just dig yourself this hole my sister absolutely does this and has done this her entire life. She's stressed. Based. She will like bring like matcha white chocolate cookies into work and not eat any of them and just have like been stressed the night before and like just like baked this Aww. for like random people. That's so charming. I, she said baked goods to the office before that she absolutely has made like when she's just like been stressed out randomly. Sorry to expose you, Anne, but I just oh I know my you god, and everybody me. everybody loved what you baked, Anne. I know. Yeah, they did. That's really disappointing. Only because I don't have that quality. I know. Like, I so wish charming. I did productive things when I was stressed. That feels like it almost exists. I know. I agree that it sounds fake. I just, I know that it does exist in my system. Wow. I've definitely done that before where like I've tried, but I'm so bad at baking. And so (laughs) I used a lot of like green uh, frosting and I like (gasps) shat green for. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm sorry. That's crazy. Holy crap. (laughs) Incredible. Oh, oh, my God. Uh, last thing. <laughs> er, okay, next thing. Not sorry. the last thing. Oh Liz is shook. Jesus. I'm so sorry. The difference between Laura Jean, like, writing, apparently, this letter in the oh, sixth yeah. grade to John Ambrose. And um, everyone listening to this podcast has had the opportunity to also listen <laughs> yes. to Liz Kelly's sixth grade writing <laughs> in my diary entry. The difference between those two pieces of work is egregious and also so unrealistic. Laura Jean in the movie says, in sixth grade, apparently she wrote this. You know, she goes on and on about how much she loves John Ambrose and goes, once upon a time, my heart was yours. Meanwhile, I'm in the sixth grade. I'd be like, it's Christmas Eve, Eve, and I hate everybody. Okay, but you are also really overdramatic. That is true. She is overdramatic. I know that's what I'm saying. That's consistent. No one does this more than sixth graders. Yeah. I actually think this is consistent with what you said. She's too good of a writer to be in the sixth grade. (laughs) But you were like, Becky turned around and looked at me. That's true. And I wanted to melt into the floor or whatever the fuck it was. I called it Christmas Eve Eve. It's not the same. Honestly, I think this is consistent. I think that's realistic. Last one, Amelia. Um, I'm sorry, but how did she not know that the Annabelle Lee poem was an Edgar Allan Poe poem? Yeah. Lana Condor, read a book. Seriously. Laura Jean, excuse me. Lana Condor has read books. It's not consistent with her character, who's very well read. Yeah. Exactly. Romance novels, yeah. et cetera. Although I have to say, I was really glad that they did this because as soon as I saw Noah Centineo reciting a poem, oh, I thought Lord. of all of his poems that we <laughs> yeah. talked about on this podcast. And that was again when I was like, I'm so out on Noah. <laughs> Wait, last thing I need to pick is there was no equivalent of a hot tub scene, and all I wanted was a GD hot tub scene. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, there was an awkward car makeout, and that was all we got. <laughs> yeah. And like an awkward sex discussion where Jen was also there. Yes, that was really odd. That made me uncomfortable. Yeah, it did. Okay, so obviously the most important thing at the end of this movie, are we team Peter or are we team John Ambrose? Okay, answer first. I'm firmly team John Ambrose. It's not close. This is the wow. the different, the fundamental difference between me and you. I'm I know. firmly 
Peter Kavinsky. I always will be. <laughs> he is an asshole in this movie, and there's a lot of evidence against him. However, you'll have to watch it to understand this, but he says, I would love to go base jumping with you. And oh my God, I just about died. He's still the charming man that I know him to be. I disagree. Amelia, you have to break the tie, even okay. though you watched 45 minutes of this movie. <laughs> okay, well, what I would have liked to see is if she had left Peter Kavinsky for John Ambrose. And so they end up, but then in the next movie, it turns out that John Ambrose is like an asshole or like they just don't connect. And then she has to win back Peter Kavinsky. I would have liked that. Redo these movies. I like that for the third one. I'm afraid that the third one is just going to be her, Laura Jean, discovering she loves Laura Jean the best and she oh. needs to like live on her own for a while, which is very true in a woman's life, but this is fake. Too guys. real. It's, we don't want it's it to be too real. real. Exactly. It's absolutely too real. All right. Real. Last thing. Where do we stand on Noah? Has this movie redeemed him? Has it? Yep. Sorry. I disagree. He, I'm mad on him forever. Yeah. I'm like truly firmly out on Me, Noah. Me, Noah Centineo, and Pete Davidson will die alone on an island <laughs> together. Well, have fun. <laughs> All right. Next category. Tea Time's biggest relationship news ever. A lot of big stuff this week. Kate, go ahead. Guys, the Wade family is my favorite celebrity family by far. Yes. Um, we've talked in the past about how Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade have supported their child, who has basically gone through an evolution of figuring out who they are in sort of the LGBT community. And what I love is just how they put an emphasis on how much work and what an evolution it is. Like, it's not just, mm-hmm. like, easy to, like, be like, oh, my child is gay or, like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, obviously their child is 12 years old and still figuring this out for themselves. So Dwayne Wade went on Ellen today, and he's done um, interviews in the past where he was like, you know, my 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 son, now my daughter, just figuring out who they are. So they are referring to their daughter as Zaya now. And he just talks a lot about how, you know, she's using she, her pronouns now but how she's still figuring it out and how they have reached out to relationships they have with people in the community and are just, like, really working Mm -hmm. on themselves and on, you know, communicating with her and how Mm -hmm. to figure this out. And I just think they are teaching a masterclass in how to do this. Like, they really are. They're putting an emphasis on, first of all, I love you and I will love you forever and it doesn't matter. But also, like, we have to put in work to understand you and understand this community that we haven't previously been a part of. And at the same time, giving their daughter a platform. Yes. Yes. Dwayne Wade at one point just puts the camera and she just speaks for about a minute. Yeah. And it must be as someone that age or someone going through that extremely comforting. And just giving them that platform is so important as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it like truly is just, we just like haven't really seen this before Mm -hmm. to the level of just like really, really well done. Like they just have not taken a step out of line. And even if they have, like they would accept it and be like, yeah, we're growing, we're learning and like we're actively trying to learn and teach. Yeah. And it's just, I just love them so much. Like I truly do. And yeah. And I feel like, you know, not to speak on every like person who's in a professional sports league or whatever, but right, especially in that space. But yeah, yeah. especially in that space, there has been a lot of you yeah. know, controversy about inclusion and everything, and it's just really great to see someone yeah. as admired as Dwayne Wade mm-hmm. and as popular and a great athlete. Just totally, there's not a lot a of overlap example. in that yeah. space, exactly. and it's like extremely necessary and important. Seriously, I mean, we're still waiting on an open gay player like in the NFL right. and you know and yeah. there's one guy in, in the NBA but right. yeah it's, yeah it's just a huge step and I just so think they've handled it so so oh well oh my god it's Agreed. like truly lovely to see and it's so beautiful like Gabrielle Union wrote on her Instagram I think it was like we're so like proud and excited to like announce Zaya to the world and I was like yeah. oh my yeah. god uh, it's just lovely it, is it lovely. really is it is lovely my favorite thing to talk about in this category is friendship <laughs> because <laughs> um, it's so 
here. And this week, Jennifer Aniston was interviewed by Sandra Bullock for Interview Magazine. She's on the cover. And speaking of pure and lovely, this interview is just straight up so charming and cute. It's, it's the great. two of them going back and forth. They have a long history. They've known each other for decades now. They've been in the industry together for a long, long time. Apparently, they even dated Tate Donovan at the same time. <laughs> They're like, we both partook of Tate. Oh. <laughs> kind of shaded him in this interview. It was yeah. great. Wow. But the beauty is that Jennifer Aniston is so untouchable when she gets interviewed. The people just throw her softballs and just yeah. totally. let her say her little Avino smart water type of <laughs> shit. But Sandra Bullock was saying, like, kind of, like, that, like fought back a little bit. Totally. And at one point would say, say things like, Jennifer, I'm asking you. I'm the interview. Don't ask me questions. You are to respond. Wow. Let's stick to the protocol. And then Aniston says, yes, Sandy. <laughs> oh, and that people really shit on celeb on celeb interviews for this reason because yeah. they're like, it's just such bullshit. Like, you're not an interviewer. You're not asking them important questions. But, like, this was, like, the opposite of that where, like, the celebrity can ask them these questions yeah. and, like, is using this opportunity to, like, have a conversation that we've never seen her have before. Yeah. I thought it was great. At one point, Sandra Bullock says, you're just talking too fucking much, Jennifer. Pipe down. <laughs> Which I don't think anyone has ever said that to Jennifer Aniston ever no. in her life. It was really great. Sandra Bullock is really funny in this interview, she too. She is. Like, Legitimately, extremely funny. But you're right. You do find out more about Jennifer Aniston than you would. Apparently, Jennifer Aniston has seminars at her house, like about physical and oh. mental, emotional well-being that Sandra Bullock has attended. Wow. Amazing. And basically, the point is that Jennifer Aniston's probably going to live to like 105, <laughs> and she wants all of her friends to live that long with her. Amazing. So she's just inviting them in this journey of wellness. That's so sweet. And then there was one bit that everybody pulled because the topic on everyone's mind, when unfortunately, when they think about Jennifer Aniston, is like, will she ever have kids, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. And they kind of touch on that. Sandra asks, is there anything like you haven't done that you're looking forward to doing on a spiritual or professional whatever level? And Aniston says, my gut reaction is to say all of the above. And she says, it's more of a screenshot I see in my brain where I hear the ocean. I hear laughter. I see kids running. Mm -hmm. I smell food being cooked. Kind of painted that picture, which hmm. is like leaving the door open. Yeah, sure. Um, we love both of them. And this was just extremely pure. It was great. Pure stuff. Next one, Amelia. Yeah, you want to know what's not pure. Um, <laughs> we started this category so well, and now I it's going to get but world it's, cursed. This is the only bad one. Uh, well, okay, actually, never mind. I take that back. But, um, <laughs> so Pamela Anderson and Hollywood producer John Peters have, quote, divorced, unquote. It was never actually legally binding. Oh, okay. After 12 days. Shocker probably to no one. Um, he said that he paid off her debts, which were, like, nearly $200,000 worth of debts, which yeah. is insane, and then was like, ah, this is too much to handle. And then she said that she had made a terrible mistake within a day of marrying him. So, you know what? I hope they find their peace. Oh, yeah, Pamela, Pamela Anderson got her debts paid and then, like, said fuck it and said <laughs> goodbye. So wow. Like, maybe uh, that was a positive thing. Yes. Also in unconventional married couples— Thrupple Watch is back. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many people sent me uh, links to this yes. yesterday. So thank you for sending me uh, Thrupple Watch. House Hunters on HGTV had their first Thrupple yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a three-person couple, including Brian and Lori, who are a married couple, and Angelica, who joined their relationship a while after they were married and is now. They had kind of a, a ceremony to add her to the relationship. She's very much part of it. Oh, okay. uh, Lori's bisexual. They're part of, like— just all together in a relationship mm -hmm. as thruples work. People were pissed that a thruple was on HGTV. Uh, a lot of people were like, this is a terrible example, blah, 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 blah. I'm kind of like, they're just living their life, man. Yeah. And they were on house centers because they wanted a master bedroom with three sinks. <laughs> oh which my is God. actually a great angle for like oh, looking funny. for a house that like isn't 
that like you can't find. That's awesome. Yeah. I know. I actually like kind of thought it was great. And some people were like, oh, this is educational, like great episode, blah, blah, blah. Super entertaining, great TV, if you ask me. Well, if they're not hurting anyone, and right. it's not a great example when it, you're like a hamster farmer and you have a budget of $3 million. Like, that's also not a great example, America. So right. they're just living their truth, man. Yeah. Um, agreed. So, yeah, Thrubble Watch thriving today. Yeah. Love it. And we're ending with the biggest news of all, which yes. is obviously Sophie Turner is pregnant with Joe Jonas's baby. They are yeah. going to be parents. They sure are. And they got married in June of 2019, so not too long ago. Mm. Just to remind you guys, Sophie Turner is 23, Joe Jonas is 30, and they're going to be parents. And we're touring about it. If we had to say whether we like this or don't like this um, for Sophie, what would we say? I would say I'm not for this only because I worry about her career and mm-hmm. just how much yes. in Hollywood, unfortunately, once you have a child, right. you just set, get set back a couple of years. True. And this is when she needs to have the most amount of momentum post-Game of Thrones. Right. I would say, our, I mean, obviously, we're all for, like, bringing new life into the world. Yes, we love agreed. Sophie. We respect her choices, et cetera. Um, <laughs> However, we, I just, we worry that, like, this isn't necessarily maybe what she initially had planned for this part of yeah. her life. Sophie uh, loves to party. Loves Joe Jonas also. Mm. Maybe is ready to settle down and have kids. Obviously, people can have a career and have kids at the same time. Yeah. But Sophie right now has a Quibi show and a kid on the way, which is not how I saw her career panning out. Well, also, you know, she loves to vape. Uh, (laughs) She she got it taken away from her uh, on the set of The Dark Phoenix Mm -hmm. to make her cry. And it worked. Mm -hmm. So giving it up for nine months, I just, wow. Maybe this will be good. Maybe... We're trying to see the positive, however, we just are. in Hollywood. I that's just, the problem. We're just worried for her and for what we think she actually maybe wants. Obviously, we don't know. And yeah. we support her in her choices. But it was a surprise and one that Tea Time has um, lost some sleep over. Yeah. <laughs> maybe Priyanka Chopra is coming next. We yeah. We'll leave it at that for <laughs> oh, now. <my>, yeah. <laughs> All right. Another hefty category. This one is big. This is a focus. This is a not worth the tea slash Tea Time investigation. So ready. Yes. And we originally, this was going to be just kind of a footnote. And then. As we uncovered more, we were like, oh, my God, I guess we have to dedicate a lot of time and interest in this. This is the idea that Jamila Jamil, as of this week, potentially may or may not have Munchausen syndrome. (laughs) This is not worth the tea on Jamila Jamil in general. Yes. So this has been in the news a lot. For those who don't know, Munchausen's, this is from the Cleveland Clinic. I'm just going to start with the official definition. It is a type of mental illness in which a person repeatedly acts as if he or she has a physical or mental disorder, when in truth, he or she has caused the symptoms themselves. Mm. Munchausen syndrome is a mental illness associated with severe emotional difficulties. So this has been talked about kind of recently this year with the act on Hulu with Joe King. A lot of Munchausen's by proxy on television. Which is when you inflict that on someone else. Right, on sharp objects as well. Munchausen, and in regards to Jamila Jamila, is that she has it and has fabricated a lot of the— Yes, um, this is a theory that internet people have. This is not tea time being like, we're diagnosing Jamila (laughs) with Munchausen. Agreed. And this started with Tracy Morrissey on Instagram. She now has an entire highlight dedicated to her and all the different things that she has come out and said in the last couple of years in these interviews. Mm. It's quite damning if you look (laughs) at it. It actually is. I think even if we, like, go away from the Munchausen thing— Jamila Jamila has a history of lying and making things up. And there are a lot of receipts to prove that. Yeah. And Tracy has gone through uh, basically most of them relating to injuries that she says she's had, diseases she says she's had, how these stories have changed over the years, yeah. proof that they never happened. Right. She says she's had cancer twice. She got hit by a car by 
running away from a swarm of bees twice. <sighs> She's sorry. had 10 concussions. Her mom, in fact, what? tweeted an alphabetical list of everything that she has claimed to have suffered from. Mm-hmm. And it is a lot. I mean, it's... It like spans. Ex- I mean, at, at the very least, it's like extreme hypochondria. Yeah. Like, it spans from everything from like having a brain aneurysm to vertigo what? to strokes to PTSD to postpartum hemorrhages. It's It goes on and on and right. on. And this is a lot of like Tracy Morrissey's, I mean, it's reporting essentially. And I know she's, she's fact checking it and doing a piece on it now. So all credit to her. But like she has things like, you know, she, Jamila's talking about running away from a, a crowd of like 500 killer bees and then like with Mark Ronson and then it's an interview with Mark Ronson being like like literally that never happened. Uh, yeah. Like there was like A, uh, B and like we walked away from it. Like it's just Jamila Jamil. Oh my God. I think more and more people are realizing like she just wants attention. Yeah. And she has this like history of activism or pretends like she's this like, you know, changing the world for the better and all of her activism is in her own self-interest and yeah. to further her career and yeah. to try to make her a star. And... Like, people are realizing that. It's hard because she's so outspoken about so much stuff. Like, for example, she has this whole Instagram story where she's, like, deathly allergic to peanuts, and she says that. And then in another, she's talking about her favorite type of peanut. It just—it doesn't make what? any it's like sense. It's, like, blatant—yeah, she has, like—she's, like, oh, I was born with food allergy. I was born allergic—deathly allergic to peanuts. And then she has videos of her eating, like, those pet peanut pretzel things. And, yeah. like, just, like— Oh, it, my it's God! all these receipts of her just being, like, just— just making shit up. Yeah. This is while I am learning this in real time. And you guys who are interested should go to Tracy Morrissey's yeah. Instagram, who also, for the record, talks about Munchausen in Hollywood in general. Oh. Talks about Lena Dunham, Yolanda <gasps> Hadid, Sia. Oh, my. It's just it's Yolanda something Hadid. that yeah. you would maybe be interested in looking and into. And I just think, in again, like, maybe she has Munchausen's, maybe she doesn't. But, like, this also goes in line with what I wanted to talk about last week, and then I just kind of punted on because it felt messy. But yeah. there was also this recent controversy with Jamila Jamil coming out as queer because, mm. not because, but she faced a lot of backlash for hosting a show about ballroom culture and voguing. And people are immediately like, like, that's not your space. You're not part of the LGBT mm-hmm. community. Like, that's not your culture. So she released a note, classic notes app statement coming out as queer, which is totally valid. There are women who are queer and bi and in relationships with men, as Jamila currently is. She's dating James Blake. But, and all these people were like, oh, like, you forced Jamila Jamila out of the closet. Like, why are you, you know, criticizing her, et cetera. But being queer, like, doesn't mean you can speak for all queer spaces. Mm -hmm. And just because you are attracted to women, like, ballroom culture is still not your culture. Like, there are a lot of different types of, like, gay culture and, like, this isn't yours. Yeah. And the problem is she keeps responding to every single thing that's said about her. So she's responded to these Tracy Morrissey claims, like, in full. One of them— is her tweeting about, not afraid of you or your dumb internet conspiracy theories. Keep them coming. I'm going to help keep people with, e- helping people with eating disorders, changing laws, global policies, et cetera. There's nothing you can do about it. It's like a gif of her in the good place. It just, it doesn't feel, none of it feels authentic, no, no matter where the truth is. And she keeps turning herself into the victim and making it about her and like yeah. trying to be an activist, but it's always in her own self-interest. Wow. And it's just so tired. I'm so tired of it. Yeah. This is wild. And I bet this is wild. only going to get a little bit worse because Tracy Morrissey is working on something. I I'm sure Jamila oh. Jamil will keep commenting yes. on According this. to Tracy Morrissey, Jamila was, like, DMing her for, like, seven hours <gasps> yesterday. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like, it just—I'm just really tired of her pretending like she's the victim and she's this, like, incredible, like, flawless public figure. Like, it's bullshit. And, Agreed. like, people are seeing through it. And I'm tired. I've been quoting him a lot recently and this tweet— Specifically, but the Billy Ray Cyrus, much to think about. <laughs> this is much to think about. Do yes. your own research. And I it. just like, it, it's almost like she could respond to this and be like, oh, like two white women like making fun of me on a podcast. And like people will be like, oh, like 
It's so lowbrow of you to go for Jamila Jamil. But it's like the thing where it's like, oh, women should support other women. Like, we can hold each other accountable for bullshit. Right. And yeah. this is bullshit. We're saying do your own research, look into it. It's fascinating no matter yes. what you think. Yeah. Just looking into and it. And I'm like truly tired of Jamila Jamil. I'm literally going to Google this after yeah. this podcast. It's insane. Oh, my yeah. God. All right. Last category, Tea Time's most unanswerable question of the week. You can reach us at Tea Time underscore 33. Go ahead, Kate. All right. We didn't talk a lot about the Oscars on this podcast because we did a whole Ringer Dish episode about it. You can listen to it. But Nathaniel Rogers on February 10th, the day after the Oscars, tweeted, "Uh, Where was Laura Dern when this photo was taken? You can't miss these as the annual quartet image is history. Mm. And it's a picture that that usually is taken after the Oscars of the four acting winners. So this year it was Laura Dern, Renee Zellweger, Brad Pitt, and Joaquin Phoenix. Except for there wasn't a picture with all four of them because Laura Dern's not in this picture. So it's the the classic, like, four winners picture was only three people this year. Mm-hmm. And my unanswerable question is, where the fuck is Laura Dern? What has she got going on that's better than this? Was she held up backstage? Was she getting a drink? Do you not know? Is there no official call? Like, where's her publicist who is definitely by her side trying to get her in this image? Yeah, everyone knows that this happens. So I was looking into the replies, and somebody said Joaquin skipped the press room, and, like, mm-hmm. Laura posed with Renee and, like, posed with Brad separately. Yeah. So, like, some people are saying it's Joaquin's fault because, like, he was only available for a short amount of time, and, like, oh. it wasn't when Laura was there, which, honestly, I'm very quick to believe it was Joaquin's fault. <laughs> I would rather blame him than blame Laura Dern. Yeah. But, like, if there are three of them together and, like, Laura Dern is somewhere else, like, you got to get Laura Dern. Like, yeah, you got to get her there. Like, whoever her publicist is, whoever was in charge of putting her in the right place, like, as soon as those three enter the same atmosphere, like, you got to get her there. Agreed. I'm yeah. sorry. I mean, I—that's interesting. I would like to know where she was. I mean, I'm sure we're going to find out sooner I'm or sure later. She'll, she'll talk about She's it. She's the yeah. type to yeah. say. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Also puzzling. Go ahead. Our last question. Okay. So— uh, <laughs> Sorry. Um— <laughs> Presley Gerber, who is the son of Cindy Crawford, and he's, you know, older brother to Kaya Gerber, he got a face tattoo. And not just any face tattoo. It's, like, on his cheekbone, and it's the word misunderstood. Um, My question, if you inherited Cindy Crawford's face, why the fuck would you mess it up with a face tattoo? Especially one that says misunderstood. Are you 15? He has the perfect human face. It's actually wild. I think he looks more like Cindy than Kaya does. Yeah. It's it, unforgivable. Unbelievable the bone structure he had. And I it, can't, <gasps> I'm just sad kind of. Although I'm sure in maybe 10 years he'll get that lasered off. Let's hope. Misunderstood is also tough. That's <laughs> really I mean, tough. I mean, obviously like he maybe is like, my face is a burden. Like I need to oh God. Oh, like distance nice. myself from yeah. my family, et cetera. Obviously yeah. he's very misunderstood. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this is a horrible decision. Well, face tattoos in general are kind of really in in. right now. Chris <laughs> Brown just got an Air Jordan Three sneaker on the side of his cool. face, and it's then horrifying. Amber Rose tattooed "bash" and "slash" on her upper forehead, which are the names of her two sons. <sighs> Feels like this Post Malone, you know, started something that all of Hollywood's. Im- Would either of you get a face tattoo for any amount of money? No. If I was like, I will pay you a hundred million dollars. Okay, if you how, get a face tattoo, how big? Like get- like misunderstood sized, like if you if 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 I was like if you get misunderstood tattooed on your cheekbone and you have to leave it for five years, I will give you a hundred million dollars. Would you do it? Yep. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> hundred million dollars. What, what yeah, number would you right, do it for? Yeah. Would you do it for one million? No. Yeah, it would have to be double digit millions. Yeah. I think <laughs> ten mil. 
Sure. You would do a misunderstood. Yeah, honestly, honestly, only for five I maybe years, would yeah. do it for a million. No, I wouldn't do it for a million. I would do it for like five million. Misunderstood is so You wouldn't hard. have to work. You could just sit in your house for five years and see no one and do nothing and then get it removed. That's true. Laser yeah. laser removal has come a long it's way. It's just a shame because all of us have our faces and he has his You're face. You're right. I know. He, it's he not the same. It's not the same. It's really unfortunate. I wonder what she, what the parents think. I, they've had a tough year. They've had a tough year. Oh my God. Jesus, pray for those two It's only February. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Honestly, crazy episode. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Look into all the things we talk about. Yes. We're yes. encouraging all of your thoughts and questions. Thank you, Kaya, our producer. I'm Liz Kelly. I'm Kat Elwell. And I'm Amelia Lemon.